Hey, 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 y'all. Welcome to the Graceful Truth Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Dana. We're here to speak truth in the most graceful way possible about our personal experiences that we've had throughout the foster care and adoption system. We're also going to cover some things we've encountered along the way. We don't sugarcoat anything. These are all real people telling their stories. I've always wanted a place for aunts, uncles, grandparents, current and former caseworkers, doctors, therapists, and really anybody such as yourself who knows anything or has had any interaction with a foster or adoptive parent or child. This is a safe place. This is a place we're going to share our stories without feeling judgment, without being misunderstood, or really being turned in to an agency for simply sharing our experiences. We're also going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to come together as one to figure out the best way to effectively change the legislation and the laws and also ways to help our children. We're also going to be there for those parents that are struggling with how to cope with the many different situations that we have to deal with on a day in and day out basis. We're also going to cover some mental health, medical health, special needs, and of course the joys of being a parent. Our goal is to be the voice for those who can't speak. We're here to share our stories. We're here to share our realities. It's time to come together and be that voice for these children. So please join us as we embark on this journey. Hey guys. So today I'm here to share with you a revelation and kind of a backstory on my son. And I originally was just going to make a post about this and share with my followers about what we were finally diagnosed with. We finally got his base diagnosis. However, as I started telling people, there are a lot of questions about his history and no, there's no way he has this, this particular thing. And so then I was going to do a live video and I was like, well, that's not fair. Let's just share it on the podcast. That way everybody knows because everybody's following our story here. Everybody's following us on social media. And then, of course, we have family. So I figured what better way than to come on here and share it with you guys. So to get to his diagnosis, I'm going to have to tell you the history because there's already been questions. I Like, I can't make this up. I've already had people go, how is it possible he has this? Others saying... That makes a lot of sense, you know, just various different things because a lot of the diseases that we're, we think we're familiar with, right? We believe that they only fit one description and it's the description that we know it as because when the doctor told me what he was diagnosing him with, I was taken aback until I asked the doctor questions because they don't make sense. He's not like a textbook, this is what he has. Otherwise, I would have had a diagnosis years ago, right? So if you hear any noise in the background, doing the single mom life for the next two weeks while my husband's in school, so (laughs) just bear with us. Um, It shouldn't be too loud, but there's always that chance. So... If you have not heard our history to becoming adoptive parents and the history of my son, 
feel free to go back a few episodes. It was within the first couple episodes, the very first episode I talk about our journey to adoption. That was after like the introduction. So it's the first long episode, which is journey to adoption. And then um, M's case plan. I don't know if it's episode three or four. You'll have to just go back and look. Uh, you can get kind of the history of how he got them. I have never fully gone through his diagnosis yet. And I'm kind of glad I haven't yet because now I can kind of give you everything and then wrap it up into a, uh, into a bow. I'm not going to say a pretty bow because we're still learning, still digesting. If you don't know me, I am what they call a green personality and I require tons of information to process things. That's just how I work. I have to have answers. I have to have facts. And that's kind of just how I go. So I've been relating, you know, his past, a bunch of different things like coming to realizations. It's just very, it's very overwhelming. I could say that. I have cried. I have laughed. I have felt horrible for asking him to stop doing something when physically he cannot. Uh, there's nothing that he can really do. So with that being said, I want to start back when we first got our son. We knew that there was a neurological problem, right? We knew he was drug with, uh, born drug addicted. We knew he was abused, so there was trauma, which affects your brain. Uh, and that's ba those were the two things we knew when we took him into care, okay? We had no diagnosis, no behavioral problems that were uh, vocalized to us, none of that sort. So he was delayed in walking. He was delayed in his speech there he was delayed so they had put him back about two years cognitively which he was then placed in speech and OT so those things we knew right off the bat then came uh, I don't believe it was VPK but it was like right before he entered VPK that is when the daycare that he was in started telling us of these anger outbursts. Now, they didn't tell us right away. Okay, let's paint this picture because this drove me up and up a wall. One day I get a letter sent home stating, your son is going to be kicked out of school if you can't, if, if he no longer can control or you can't correct his anger outburst. He pushes over bookcases. He throws chairs across the room. Uh, you know, just very, he throws pencils, anything he can get his hands on, basically. He threw down, he threw or pushed down. Um, and they gave us a ton of examples. And it's not the fact that they were telling me this that irritated me. It was that they waited to the point of wanting to kick him out to tell me that there had been any problems because every single day I picked him up, there was ample time for them to tell me, hey, he did this, 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 and that today. But no, they didn't. They waited till they wanted to kick me out of a school because of my son's behavior that I knew absolutely zero about. Because he was not having, he was having fits, which most children do at home, right? They whine, cry, he'd go to his room, and that's how it went. 
And then I get this letter. So then I have a meeting with the school. I said, what, where did this come from? Because I have yet had one report of any of this stuff happening. And they're like, well, you know, they gave me the runaround. I'm like, no, you know what? I need a school that's actually going to communicate with me and work with me. So before VPK, we moved him to another preschool. And that is when we started getting into going to a doctor. And he was diagnosed early on with PTSD, uh, which most people know most people think that that's just a vet um, diagnosis, but it's not. Many people can have PTSD. In fact, I have PTSD, but you can learn coping mechanisms, etc. So he was diagnosed early on with PTSD, with RAD, which is Reactive Attachment Disorder. And what that is basically is he has a problem with attachment and his and I, uh, our connection, our attachment is very like oil and water. They just don't go along. And he really reacts poorly, not just to me, but to women, period. Like that comes from his trauma. A lot of the stuff, is, because he was never attached to his mom, but his mom was also the abuser. So he he correlates any woman as a mother figure. Um, so that's where that reactive attachment disorder, and we have worked on that for years. He was diagnosed with sensory processing disorder, uh, which is like an overstimulant. There, there, you could be under or over, like loud noises, um, the feeling of cloth, the types of different types of food that you eat. It can be a sensory thing, you know, sight. You can see something that you don't like or color. Just, just sensory processing disorder. You can look it up. There are so many different um, things that that plays in. And then auditory processing disorder. And the easiest way to explain the auditory processing disorder is it's not a problem with hearing. It's the brain can't keep up with what you're taking in. So instead of being able to tell him, I need you to pick up your clothes, then brush your teeth, then come in for your nighttime reading. We couldn't tell him all three things because by the time he got to the second one, he'd forget what he was supposed to do. So you had to tell him one thing at a time. Like you couldn't say, okay, it's the morning time. So let's brush your teeth, eat breakfast, blah, blah, blah. You can't do that because he would forget by the time he got to the second and then eventually to the third, fourth. Now we can, now we're up to being able to tell him like two, three things. Sometimes we have to remind him of the third thing. It just really depends. It's just training the brain, which is why I enrolled him in dance to remember things as best he could. So those were the first four diagnoses that we got. Those were what we uh, started therapies, a bunch of therapies with and started working with him on. And then we get into VPK and he's having problems concentrating. He is then not diagnosed just by one doctor. We actually got him diagnosed by multiple doctors. And when I say multiple, I believe I took him to four different doctors. 
we even had him tested for autism at that same time um, within these diagnoses because I didn't just want the ADHD thrown out there, right? So uh, we've been, we've visited probably, like this is not an exaggeration when I tell you this, I bet we've been close to 50 different doctors and medical professionals based on, you know, primary cares, specialists, we went to an ADHD clinic, we went to an autism specific clinic, a neurological clinic, a neurologist, a, um, what do they call it? A uh, neuropsychologist. Like we've been everywhere because again, I want facts and I want concrete that these are what we're dealing with, right? So we took him in for autism testing with the delays and stuff like that to the, to the ADHD clinic. They actually referred it. They diagnose him with ADHD based on they do like a mini test and teachers answers questions and parents answer questions, stuff like that. So they had already diagnosed him with that. <clears throat> but the way that they did this autistic testing was they didn't just test for autism. They tested for various other uh, types of things that could present as autism, but really be something else. So the very first test for autism came um, back that he was not autistic. He, the two problems were the ADHD and the RAD, and those two together were really hitting everything. And they, they literally, okay, when he does this, that's this diagnosis. When he does that, that's this diagnosis. So as we're growing up, there's still something wrong. There's still a behavior. We're trying to get medication, you know, leveled out. Um, no other big diagnosis came in until a couple of years ago, we took him to another specialist uh, who happened to be a family care practitioner, PCP, and, but they specialized in the behavioral psychological part of it. So when I took him there, this is the one and only time I do not believe the diagnosis was spot on now that I'm seeing the end result, but they had diagnosed him with a personality disorder, which fit the profile because their mother's medical history is bipolar, manic depressive. So, and then of course her family all has uh, bipolar disorder. They've all been alcoholics, drug addicts. So it kind of fit the profile, but not the symptoms for him really. Uh, so I didn't like sink my teeth into that diagnosis and they didn't really change anything up. But when I tell you we've been to many places, we've even had him Baker acted for some of the behaviors that he was doing and I'll probably get into more of that emotional stuff. Oh, I could get into it now. Um, he, so some of the symptoms, let's just go with that. Uh, he was at school one day and he was in the cafeteria, which in a cafeteria in school is going to be super duper loud. And we never picked up on this before because I had never sat down and asked him when things happened. So 
we would get incident reports. I'd have to go pick him up because of his behavior, you know, whatever the case may be. And we would just be told, well, this is what happened. And then we try to correct him and then he lost his mind. And I'm think so this time when they called me they're like hey you need to come pick up he threatened to kill himself and i said i'm sorry what yeah he said i want to i want to kill myself i said well legally you need to be calling the cops to have him be corrected because that is what it is i hung up the phone while they placed that call and i called the therapist she goes absolutely he needs to be be corrected we need to try and get to the bottom of this why is this happening you know etc cetera, etc cetera. so he was Baker acted at that time. It was a very, it was a very traumatic, I think more so for me than him. But what happened was, as I showed up to the school, I talked to the police officer that arrived. He was still away with one of the teachers while all this was going down. I said, look, this is his history. This is what we're dealing with. The reason he needs to be Baker acted is because he did state that he wished to kill himself. And we don't feel that that's a, you know, that's not a place for his mind to be right now. Especially at, I think he was seven years, seven or eight years old at that time. And he goes, no, I agree. I said, but the problem is, is he has a history with cops because the last cops that took him away in a car never brought him back to his mother. He goes, well, I don't have to put him in handcuffs. I said, well, thank you for that. I said, and if let's just talk to him like he has to drive me to this place so we can get him some help and you'll be following me behind. So he brought him up. Of course, he was very scared. And we introduced him to the cop. We said, hey, we need to get you some help, buddy. You know, I'm going to be right behind you. The police officer will let you bring your pencil and your notebook. You can drive. He's just going to bring you to the drive to the place because that's how you have to arrive there to get help. And I'll be right behind you the entire way there. So we got him there. We got him admitted. It was a waste of time because they came back with nothing. They're like, well, you already have these doctors in line. There's really nothing more we can do. And I can tell you right now, I was livid. We proceeded, myself and my therapist, to call around our entire state. Because at that point, I was like, I will take him anywhere to get him the help that he needs. That's how desperate I was. And nobody would take him because of his age or because we weren't in the county or because they didn't take his insurance or because, I mean, it was excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. And then people telling me there's no way he's doing this at his age. I'm like we have witnesses like yes he is we're not stupid we're like I'm not going to intentionally traumatize my son to get him the help that he needs based on a lie right I'm not going to do that so anyway that kind of fizzled out we two things had happened around that time though is our insurance no longer would pay for the ADHD medication he was on and if you know anything about those types of stimulants, you can't just stop cold blood. So I didn't know that until we went to refill and he had two pills left. And they either needed him switched on another medication or a prior authorization. So he went for two weeks, we went without medication because of the insurance company. And because they did not tell us ahead of time, 
hey, we're not going to be paying for this medication anymore. You need to find an alternative. No, no, no. They just, we, we can't fill it for you. The insurance won't pay for it. They require prior authorization. So we submit for prior authorization. Well, they're denying it. They're not paying for this medication at all. Why couldn't you tell me that to begin with? And I could just been like, hey, we need to come up with another medication that the insurance is going to pay for, right? Anywho, nothing came out of that. And so when I tell you we have been fighting for years, we have had neurologists tell us there's absolutely zero wrong with his brain because they did testing looking for seizures. Well, of course, like, if he doesn't have a seizure, yeah, you're going to tell me he's normal, but he's not. All right, guys, if you've known me for a hot minute, you know that five years ago, I made the switch to a toxin and chemical-free home, and the company that I chose, based on all my research, was Young Living, and guys, yes, I've actually been to the farm touched the plants, planted plants, and even saw the way that they just care about not just our plants, but the members, us, the everyday people that purchase their products day in and day out and use their products day in and day out. So with this offer, you go to myyl.com backslash d n j floyd and that's f l o y d this will all be in the show notes and when you purchase your premium starter kit through that link you will be sent a thieves household cleaner which will last you about six months it lasts my family five to six months but we use it on everything floors windows steam mops cars we legit just use it on everything so again that website is myyl.com backslash dnj floyd and that is also in the show notes so hop on over pick your premium starter kit and get yourself a free bottle of cleaner all right let's get back to the show you cannot find a specialist in drugs, traumatization, or even just re- like the diagnosis to me was so, so simple. So, so simple that it was missed by millions of doctors. Millions of doctors, not millions, 50 doctors. <laughs> Let's go with that. Um, so we continue down the road of you know, the uh, unspecified mood disorder, which I did not agree with at all. And then last year, I took we took him again for autism st- uh, testing, specifically Asperger's. Those were the two times we tested him for autism. Um, it was for the Asperger's part of it, and he would be high-functioning, obviously, because he was a straight-A student. There were just other things going on. And... When I got that testing done, again, everything was confirmed, but this doctor was able to even break it down more for us, right? So we were able to get it broke down into, okay, yes, he has ADHD, but it is the emphasis on the hyperactivity. 
So because he gets so hyper, he can't focus and concentrate, and that's where the ADHD comes in, right? So we even got it really narrowed in on this specific part of that diagnosis. Again, no autism. Um, characters came back. It was ADHD, PTSD, and RAD. All three of those were the ones that they were able to test for because sensory and auditory and PTSD, those are not something, I mean, those are more emotional trigger type diagnosis. It's not something you can just test, like go through all these tests that they do with these children. And so we got that confirmation and that helped for a little while. And then I'll tell you what happened to get to this. So back when we first received Manny, we always, I always noticed a tick and it would be on his left eye. His eyebrow would always move up and then his head would move like very, very slightly. Like you literally had to be staring at him to notice it most of the time. But as I was watching behaviors and stuff like that, I really started to see that. And then back in, I, it may have been even November, we were having major behavioral problems. The ticks were becoming more prevalent in his legs and his arms and his body. Like when he would be at baseball, he would be holding the bat up and his entire body would be shaking from his, like his upper torso down. So his head and his bat were still because he was focusing on that, but the whole lower body, you can see him shaking. And so we, we were referred to a neurologist because we had a friend who was going through it. And then I shared it with another adoptive mom and they're like, Hey, go check out this doctor. We had really good results with him. He was able to help us. I said, okay. So we made an appointment and this time, you know, I've already been through 50 doctors that tell me nothing's wrong with my child. I'm not going to this doctor with any expectations, right? The, the initial visit we went for was to have him tested for something called pandas, which in a nutshell, you can search this on your own, but basically it's a bacteria such as like the strep throat bacteria that lives in the a child's spine and then creates a lot of neurological disorders and one of those are ticks. So when we had asked for that testing and told him all of the concerns, he's like, okay, I want to do a bunch of blood work. I'm going to get the scans from all the neurologists you've been to. I'm going to get the records from all the doctors you've been to, you know, give me a couple months. Let's get all this blood work done. And that started our journey of blood work which is an entirely different story, but we're going to tell it. So he actually wanted him to get a bunch of blood work and a throat culture and a strep um, culture done, which is the scraping of the throat. Nowhere in our county could I find where I could get that done. And I talked to the doctor. He goes, you know what? Just don't worry about it. We'll just rely off the blood work uh, and we can worry about it if, if it comes down to it, basically. So for a month straight, once a week, we would go to 
our blood work appointment. Now, mind you, my husband's a truck driver. I had to find care for my children every single morning while bringing my son with just us two because of all of this stuff going on, you know, to get just his blood work done. So for four weeks, we went every Thursday to get his blood drawn. And after all that was done, the results had come back. Most everything was normal. There were three things out, which were the two antibodies that they test for the pandas and the strep um, bacteria, the, the specific bacteria that's in there, and it's vitamin D. So vitamin D is super simple. Then what happened is we had to reschedule it because my son went out of town for two weeks to visit with family. And he's like, okay, well, these came back. Let's run these two only again and make sure that they're trending down. Because if they're trending up, we're going to have a problem. So they did trend down. And this was the now the third test we had on both of them. And one of the levels was completely in normal range by that third testing result but the one was still high. It, it was coming down, but it wasn't coming down fast and it wasn't coming down like a ton, you know, 10, 20 points. So when we went to our doctor's appointment, after all that blood work, <laughs> uh, we went in there again, I went with no expectations and we're sitting down and he's going through all the blood work with me telling me, okay, here's the vitamin D. This is what we need to do for that. And then he was explaining to me these two bacterias and he confirmed that he does not have pandas because you have to have a, like a whole roundabout, like it, that has to be tied into a pretty little bow for you to have that. However, that the, the bacteria level in that antibody test that we did was indeed contributing to his, to his increased ticks, his increased behaviors, all of that stuff. Because as we have seen it come down in the blood levels, we've also noticed that his behaviors have been getting better. Like the, the behaviors that we were having really major problems with at the end of last year, beginning of this year. And then we got the diagnosis and I, I, I think I froze probably for a good three minutes. And I remember him looking at my son and just, he was over there obviously ticking, his leg was going, stuff like that. And he, he had asked me more questions. So he asked me, okay, do you ever notice ticks in the form of verbal? like words. I said, well, not words. No, he doesn't say anything really repetitively. Um, so I'm just going to tell you this while I'm telling you all the, <laughs> the things uh, leading up to the diagnosis and the questions after. He has been diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome. So the doctor was asking me, does he make it, it doesn't necessarily have to be words, it can be sounds. Is there a sound he makes over and over? I said, well, he makes the sound like as if he were swallowing or snorting in like snot, you know, that I can't even do it. But like, it's all in the throat. It was never in the nose. It's all in the throat. He goes, that's, that's a tick. 
Okay, the, the, the sounds are ticks, the movements are ticks, and we were able to really zone in on a bunch of them. And at that time, he was sitting in the chair, his leg was going, um, his, you could hear him doing the sniffing, and I'm like, that's what he does constantly. So then, of course, immediately, I feel bad because that's actually a tick. And I'm like, dude, you need to blow your nose. Quit, like, snotting this all in, right? <laughs> so um, as I continued to question, I said, so can I ask a few questions? He's like, absolutely, please. I want you to completely understand this and feel comfortable when you walk out. I said, could, like, you and I, talking to you guys out there, most of the time I knew Tourette's as just the vulgar language of of loud, you know, of words, right? That's mainly what people with Tourette's, that that's like their, uh, what, what do you call it? Like, that, that's the biggest symptom known to everybody across the board is the vulgar language just coming out of nowhere that they have no control over. And he goes, and the ticks as well, like the involuntary body movements, that was another thing is when we did our blood work, I was holding his arm still because his arm was moving constantly with the ticks. And even when I was holding it and the the lady taking the blood was holding it, his arm was still moving and I could literally feel his vein. Like he was not moving it because I was holding it still and this lady was holding it still and his muscles were still spasming, I guess you could say. Um, so the those... Those are the two most prevalent. So when he talked to me about the sounds and then the behaviors come that come with it, I actually looked up Tourette's and it's just, it's, I'm going to read you a lot of the symptoms because he has all of the symptoms, but I had asked him, I said, does, does this account for his behavior? Absolutely. And I said, what about his ADHD and his problems focusing? He goes, well, I'm going to tell you this, that most people that have Tourette's also have ADHD. Like they kind of go together. Not everybody that has ADHD has Tourette's, but everybody that has Tourette's have some form of ADHD, which makes sense because your body's involuntarily doing these different things. How can you concentrate, right? So here are the symptoms that you may experience if, if you have Tourette. So behavioral is compulsive behavior, check. Impulsivity, check. Hyperactivity, we've already been down that road. Meaning, meaningless repetition of own words, which we're now picking up on some of the things, some of these ticks, which is weird. Nonsense word repetition, Repetitive movements, swearing uncontrollably, which he does not do, has not do yet, or lack of restraint. Muscular is tick, difficulty with bodily movements, increased muscle activity, involuntary movements, involuntary muscle contraction, or jerking muscle spasms. Moods is anxiety or apprehension, both of which he has. Also common, eyelid twitching, which is the first symptom that I noticed. Coughing, which he does constantly. Frequent throat clearing, again, he does constantly. Learning disability and repetitive blinking of eyes or stuttering. Now, he has every single one of those. The stuttering comes in forms of he'll start 
and then I'll forget what he's saying and I'll start again and forget what he's saying and I'll start again and, and then finally be able to tell you. And we always told him, okay, slow down. Now we're realizing, okay, no, that's a tick. The clearing of the throat. And now we're noticing where at random times, like there's not even a rhyme or reason for it, he'll just start belting out a song. Doesn't even make sense as loud as he can. And now I have to pull myself back thinking, okay, that may be a tick, right? So that'll be a question when I go back to the doctor. So now we have his uh, his underlying condition that is contributing to everything else that we have noticed. So it's, I actually got through that without crying. I think probably because I'm really talking about the history um, it's hard. It's not easy because now there you, there's nothing. He's already on the treatment plan for it. We started something else to get that bacteria down to see if it diminishes the ticks that he, that were causing the problems and the behaviors that were causing the problems because he's already on the medication that controls the, uh, that they put people with Tourette's on. So he's already had that medication in them. And it makes sense because when we increase the dose of that and decrease some of the ADHD medication, that's kind of when we found a sweet spot. And it was always weird to me. So why is this not like completely controlling everything, but it helps in his behavior mostly. That's what it was helping with. And now I know why, right? So that is his history um, some of our struggles, there's so many episodes that I'm going to be doing on this insurance nonsense, uh, because there, there's a lot to discuss with that. And I'm not going to say anything about that, but that is, you know, what we found out. I am so thankful to this doctor that we were able to finally zero in on a proper diagnosis for him and now that we can move forward and we have answers and we kind of know like I've always wanted to be in the position I know what I'm dealing with now we kind of have a plan like we just figured this out but now we have a doctor that knows about this and can help us and we have friends and family that know and now everybody else knows um but it's just it's one of those things, like if you know what your child has, it just makes it, I don't want to say it makes it easier to care for them, but it makes it uh, a better situation, basically, because you know what they're dealing with for the most part. You know how to handle it. You know that they're not doing it on purpose, you know, different things like that, Um but now we know kind of what we're dealing with. We're not in the dark of, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, what is this coming from? Where is this coming from? And that's kind of, that gives me relief because it's something I have wanted for so long. And it took us, took us seven years to get it. Uh, and took 10 years of his life to get that diagnosis, to find a doctor that can look at, all of the information, ask the right questions to properly diagnose a child. So 
that is what we're dealing with. If anybody has any dealings with Tourette's, if your children have Tourette's or you know somebody that does and you can give any information, please do so. I am, I am open information out the wazoo. You'll get all of our uh, things in the closing of this. So feel free to email, comment, um, Facebook message us, direct message us on Instagram, you know, go however you need to get a contact with us. There's plenty of ways for you to contact us, but I am always willing to listen and to take in the experience that other families have already had going through something very similar, the disease with us, because just like any other thing, everybody's is different, but there's also some underlying things that can be done to help our children. So thank you guys for sticking around. Thank you for listening to this and I will catch you on the next episode. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Graceful Truth Unscripted podcast. Here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of that episode you're listening to right now. Head on over to your Instagram or Facebook stories and tag Graceful Truth Unscripted so more people can find our podcast. Also, if you really love us, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. I will be reading as many reviews as I can on the next episode of the podcast, so be sure to listen for your shout out. If you haven't already, please click that subscribe button so you don't miss a show. And don't forget, if you have a question for the show, shoot us a message on Instagram or Facebook or email gracefultruthunscripted at gmail.com. All right, y'all. Time to spread the sunshine wherever you go. See ya.